listeners, welcome back to ITS Podcast. This is episode 76, September 2023. And I'm Mariam Kavashkar from MW University, India. Very soon, many of us, researchers and scientists in the ITS field, are going to meet at IEEE ITSC 2023, which this year will take place in Spain. Dr. Ibailana is here to give you a short introduction to the conference. If you are going there or if you want to know what is going to happen over there, and I want you to listen to him. My name is Ibailana, and I am in the organizing committee of the IEEE International Conference on Intelligent Transportation Systems 2023. ITSC is the annual flagship conference of the IEEE Intelligent Transportation Systems Society, ITSS. In it, Researchers, engineers, practitioners, and students from industry, universities, and government agencies are invited to present their latest work and discuss the research and application for intelligent vehicles and vehicle infrastructure cooperation. This year's edition will be held in Bilbao, in the north of Spain, from September 24th to 28th. We have received more than 1,600 works, from which more than 1,000 have passed the pre-review process and will be presented during the conference days. We are expecting the attendance of more than 1,200 researchers and practitioners with topics covering from traffic management to vehicular perception or electric mobility. The conference will start on Sunday, September 24th, with 25 workshop sessions, two tutorial sessions and one industrial session. The next four days, the conference will host more than 130 technical sessions in 13 parallel tracks. The conference will also feature four keynotes with major figures of the transportation field, Professor Cristina Olaverri Monreal, Professor Angelo Samditis, Professor Serge Hugendorn, and Professor David Cebon, and also an industrial panel that will bring relevant industry actors. We, the organizing committee, will be happy to host you in our beloved city and enjoy together in an event with a plenty of interesting talks, social events, and fruitful discussions about the present and future of the ITS field. Come and visit us. Thank you. Bye. See you there. Tim Menard at LVOIT writes about the future of connected mobility for our cities and how AI can enable a controlled tower approach for ground transportation, something similar to what we have with air travel. There's a lot of chatter about connected mobility, and I think you'll find this interview to offer a new perspective on the use of AI and technology to improve the way city transportation systems are designed and implemented. Tim is our special guest today. Anansa has a talk with him, which you can listen to after the news mini section and book review. Barish is here with two minutes news mini section, one of the popular sections of our podcast. Hello, dear listeners. This is Barish presenting following news in the field of ITS for the ITS podcast. In this episode, we bring you some of the latest news and developments on intelligent transport and autonomous driving. Polestar will offer mobilized autonomous driving technology. Polestar and Mobileye are collaborating to make Polestar 4 the first production car to feature mobilized chauffeur autonomous driving technology. The Polestar 4, which will be available for purchase in China this year and worldwide in 2024, will feature mobilized supervision-based ADAS technology. Later on, Chauffeur is expected to provide the technology for ISOF point-to-point autonomous driving on highways, as well as ISON automated driving for other environments. Beep and OXA announce partnership to deploy autonomous vehicles. Beep, a manufacturer of AV shuttles, and OXA, a provider of autonomous vehicle technology, 
announced a partnership to deploy autonomous vehicles driven by OXA in the United States. Beep will integrate OXA's autonomous driving technology into its existing fleet of electric shuttles. The partnership will also focus on expanding the use of autonomous vehicles for the first mile and last mile transportation solutions. The deployment of OXA-driven autonomous vehicles is expected to begin in early 2024. Scheffler and VDL is collaborating to jointly produce a new generation of self-driving electric shuttles for public transport. The vehicles will feature mobilized autonomous driving systems for Level 4. First demonstrator and steering technology will be showcased at IAA Mobility 2023 show in Munich. According to the roadmap, road testing could be possible in 2025. People in the UK are cautiously optimistic about the driverless cars. A recent survey conducted by the Institution of Mechanical Engineers found that the UK public sees some benefits in driverless cars, but caution remains. Around half of drivers would feel comfortable in a self-driving car, provided they have the option to control when the vehicle operates in autonomous mode. Most popular reasons to let the car take over include feeling tired or unwell. Concerns about the technology have remained consistent since the institution's first poll in 2017. The primary concern was the lack of overall human control over the vehicle. This was followed by concerns about the vehicle's ability to respond to unexpected events, such as accidents on the road ahead. Thank you for listening to the mini-news section of the ITS podcast. We will continue to bring you more news of breakthrough advances in our field in the upcoming episodes. Thank you, Barish. This was Barish Chauhan from TU Berlin. In this episode, Haluk is reviewing a book, Virtual and Remote Control Tower Research, Design, Development, Validation and Implementation. This is an edited book by Norbert Forstenau. I leave you with Haluk and his points on this publication. This is the book review section for ITS podcast, reviewed by Dr. Haluk Eren, Fırat University, Elazığ, Turkey. The book title is Virtual and Remote Control Tower. Research, Design, Development, Validation and Implementation and consists of 611 pages. Published by Springer Nature in 2022, edited by Norbert Furstenau. Air traffic control towers are responsible for managing the flow of aircraft within their designated airspace, ground operations, runway clearances, and aircraft sequencing, ensuring safe movement on runways and taxiways. They provide instructions and clearances to pilots for takeoffs, landings, and while in transit, ensuring safe separation between aircraft. ATC towers also play a vital role in responding to emergencies, preventing runway incursions, weather changes, and unexpected events, maintaining the safety and efficiency of air travel. In the future, remote ATC towers may become more appealing due to the increasing automation and digitization of air traffic control process. The integration of advanced algorithms and artificial intelligence could enable better predictive and proactive management of air traffic, enhancing safety and efficiency. Moreover, the scalability and adaptability of remote ATC systems could facilitate the deployment in diverse environments, including regions with limited resources or challenging geographical conditions. The book consists of 
three parts and 22 chapters. Part one of the book addresses fundamental aspects and preconditions of remote control tower operation. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 focus on introduction, the visual cues for object detection, recognition, and operator's decision-making. Chapters 4 and 5 include the remote tower research in the United States conducted by FAA and remote AFIS in Japan. Part 2 of the book covers five chapters, which are the core engineering part of the remote tower research and development. The basic features of the experimental high-resolution video panorama system, according to the main virtual tower patent, are described in Chapter 6. Design and development of the second-generation RTO prototype system and work environment is described in Chapter 7. Chapters 8, 9, and 10, respectively, focus on the integration of a multilateration system into the high-resolution augmented vision video panorama with data. The RTO validation experiment with remote airport cooperation and a subset of at-cost decision tasks. The cooperation within CESAR supports the international remote tower harmonization. Part 3 covers seven chapters focusing on centralized multiple remote airport control, MRTO, and minimum requirements for usage of advanced augmented vision functions. The relevant simulation environment RTO simulation studies, simulations experiments analyzing workload data, the impact of handover procedures on performance are included in chapters 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15 respectively. Chapters 16 and 17 address a specific two alternative decision experiment and the frame rate requirements for the dominating situations of low angular speed values of vehicles on the moment. Part 4 has the five final chapters addressing advanced and multiple RTO development, validation, and certification. Chapters 18, 19, and 20 include RTO approach with Focus on advanced image processing and augmented vision technology, including its validation, diffusion of infrared with visible video streams, and the development of a specific planning tool for multiple airport control, respectively. Chapter 21 describes the certification process of MRTO with the example of extensive operational MRTO testing of remote the final chapter, 22, takes up the remote AFIS topic from chapter 5, describing development and validation of a low-cost RTO concept based on a virtual reality system using pan-tilt zoom camera. In the future, remote towers are expected to bring about a new era in air traffic management with more automation and data-driven decision-making. These improvements should enhance efficiency and safety in the ever-changing world of The book was primarily written for professionals and researchers in the field of air traffic control and aviation technology. Also, it may be of interest to students, policymakers, and aviation enthusiasts pursuing a 
comprehensive understanding of virtual and remote control tower systems. This was Professor Haluk Irun from Ferrot University, Turkey. Thank you very much, Haluk. Professor Ansar Yasser from Hasselt University, Belgium, had a talk with Tim Menard, and they talked about urban mobility solutions. Let's listen to their talk. Hello, listeners. Uh, this is Professor Ansar Yasser from Hasselt University, Belgium. I am one of the co-editors for the ITS podcast. Uh, today, we have a very special guest, Timothy Menard, uh, with us. He's from the industry. So Timothy is the Chief Executive Officer and the founder of LYT. The company received uh, two National Science Foundation grants to optimize traffic signal systems to reduce congestion, fuel emissions, and travel times. Uh, before uh, founding LYT, Tim was a firmware engineer at Tesla in uh, Palo Alto, California, having designed hardware software simulation systems that autonomously tested the proper functionality of uh, vehicle electronics used in Tesla's Model X and S. Uh, prior to Tesla, Tim worked on connected vehicle technology at uh, Toyota, uh, the University of Alaska Fairbanks, the University of uh, Nevada, Las Vegas, and the University of Alaska Anchorage. So, Tim, uh, welcome to the ITS podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Let me begin with my Q&A session. So, uh, my first question for you here, uh, I'm, I'm sure for the listener as well, uh, they would like to know more about your background. So, could you please give us a brief? I'm happy to. So, I got my start in intelligent transportation systems in 2009, originally as a undergraduate research assistant. And how that happened was because at the time, having grown up in Chicago and then moved to Anchorage, Alaska, you can imagine and remember back to 2009, that was when the iPhone 3G came out and all of a sudden the app revolution and everything about the world was now available at our fingertips almost immediately, really being into mapping, transportation, having Google Maps now. Uh, in a conversation at school, we thought it'd be really neat to track snowplows. And to do that in real time so that you could drive home in any weather condition and know actually how to get home safely. Alaska is full of a lot of transient people, uh, a lot of military and stuff. So a lot of people have never driven in snow. So serendipitously, I was fortunate to also have a research professor who had just moved to Alaska as well from USC, University of Southern California who had just finished work with Caltrans, creating an open source freeway simulator. And that's where that's where my beginning starts, is pitched the idea to him, got in, and started doing connected vehicles in 2009 through cell phones from there. Uh, that's where my first paper I presented in New York City. I was founded by some staff at Toyota. They uh, literally told me later that they said, we want him for internship, and they pulled me out of Alaska and into California. And that's where I got my entire foyer into what I would consider myself to be more of an automotive-based uh, ITS engineer. Thank you. So how would you describe LYT? So Light is a next-gen open architecture, cloud-based, intelligent traffic software platform that uses state-of-the-art connected vehicle, artificial intelligence, and machine learning technologies to save lives, reduce property damage, and make mass transit a faster, safer, more viable option in cities and across regions, enabling communities to spend less time sitting in traffic and more time doing what we love. We're able to do all that because of all the lessons learned from industries like IoT, automotive, traffic management, um, an extensive background in uh, my several opportunities in industry, 
and academia working with uh, the public sector to take everything that's been promised over the last 20 years and figure out how to turn it into a deployable solution today. That's very interesting. So would you like to tell our listeners about some of the issues that LYT is trying to solve these days? Yeah, the the first issue is that, and this is kind of our grand larger vision, is holistically right now, uh, everybody is talking about autonomous vehicles. If you look at our roads today, they're fundamentally set up for human-centric driving, not machine-centric driving. So we set out here to start a new infrastructure for machine-driven vehicles that's more machine-centric. And the way of doing that using connected vehicle technology, because knowing is much better than guessing, since so much stuff is camera-based today. Uh, we decided to develop a cloud platform that would connect all these cities and these connected traffic lights together so we could have a cloud-based vehicle-to-infrastructure network. And in doing so, we set out to exchange different technologies today that exist, such as transitional priority, emergency vehicle preemption. These are the technologies that when a bus or a fire truck approach a traffic light, they will turn and go green. Those have been a application that have been solved for some time since the 60s using optical communication or radio-based communication. But that's a phenomenal application to use because it's really a fundamental part of connected vehicles and optimizing around true vehicle traffic. So we're solving by one vehicle class at a time how to optimize our roads with real vehicle data. And we've been able to, to do that with huge significant impacts with buses and fire trucks and ambulances right now. And we continue to add more vehicle classes in. Thank you. So where is LYT currently operating and what kind of reserves are you seeing? So we have a huge base in the West Coast. We're in cities like Seattle, Washington, we're in Portland, Oregon, we're in San Jose, California. Across the board, we generally have been seeing in most of these major metropolitan areas for emergency vehicle response, we have improved in at least 60%. And so what that means is that the intersection is much safer, allowing the responding teams to drive through much faster, and ultimately meaning that they can get to uh, you, the heart attack victim, or the traffic incident, or the fire that's burning down a house much quicker and resolve the situation without uh, too much issue. And for buses, we've been able to make uh, also super significant improvements, especially in America, where uh, transit really needs a lot of help right now because we're super vehicle-centric here. And so in Portland, Oregon, we're the next-gen technology on their new bus rapid transit program and their uh, super significant results. We've been able since 2022, just in the last year that this has been up and running, it has in, it has brought 500,000 more people back to transit because of the significant speed improvements. It's now 20% faster to travel this bus route. We've cut intersection delay down by 80%, over 15 miles, 60 intersections, a minute and a half to maximum two minutes of signal delay which is huge. When's the last time you you got to drive in your personal car down the street and go through 60 intersections with 130 seconds of signal delay? So th these are staggering. What that actually uh, comes out to 35,000 
412 gallons of fuel savings a year, 800,000 pounds of CO2 reduced just from taking away that idling time and that stop time at those intersections directly. So it's it's massive. City of San Jose, 25 miles of transit roadway has now seen a 50% reduction in red light wait time, which again is taking away these massive numbers of fuel consumption and greenhouse gas emissions, but ultimately it's moving people more reliably and quicker to their workplaces. Oh, that's pretty impressive. Uh, did you try to go and do some experiments out of the outside of the U.S.? For anybody listening, we'd like to. We're very open to it. We've not had the pleasure uh, to to cross the borders, uh, but we 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 do have an expanded view to all of North America. So there's some stuff uh, kind of in the works. Very nice. And and how is LYT different than uh, the other systems that are out there at the moment? Happy you asked. So. What um, what makes light so novel is that there's a couple of different things at play that make this hard to replicate. One is that there's so many systems today that exist. There's fleet tracking systems. We have Google Cloud, Amazon, Azure, right? We have all this computation that's uh, just available easily. And so there's just easy connectivity to everything in the world now. Everything's kind of built for third-party integration. Since there's already a whole bunch of systems that we use in our daily lives, that if they're just connected, we can get more out of them. That's where Light is built upon this whole cell phone movement and, and push through technology is because of when you look at a commercial vehicle and especially an ambulance or a fire truck, they're loaded with technology. They have all of their response equipment, then they've got their fleet tracking and their uh, operations, right? They're like their own little mobile beacon. And so to put another piece of hardware device in that car that, again, has got either a GPS, cellular modem, um, even if it's just as basic as an optical transmitter, like we would have in our TV remote, that's just going to a travel light. It's just more equipment and maintenance. And when you already have a bunch of stuff to maintain, it uh, it becomes clutter. It becomes hard. Things degrade. Some things fall away. And then on top of it, if your core, if that device is outside kind of your core focus, then if it works, you're you're pleased with it. If it doesn't, it's just going to kind of fall away. You get to it when you get to it. So because of light integrates with critical systems, that critical system is all contained now to that one important part of the vehicle. That data is shared now with light and I can go to the track management is super unique because now we've taken one big pain point away, which is keeping things in real life working well over time, which is hard to do, uh, right? We change phones out every two years. We change laptops out almost every five years. How can we expect to put a safety critical communication device that's going to do traffic management and expect that to stay in the vehicle for 10 to 15 years? It's, it doesn't make sense anymore. With that now being able to live and breathe and change out, and then coupling that to a cloud platform where now you can get all the other data insights, you now have in this one window, like a, like a SimCity or City Skylines, you've got the whole picture of your transport network and what's happening and why. And now you have that real-time ability to, hey, we're going to change the traffic control on this road because that ambulance needs to get that patient to the hospital. And we're not going to change traffic control on this side because that fire truck is 
uh, just going back to the fire station. And this bus right here is carrying a whole bunch of people. We should be prioritizing this because it's running behind and they need to get to work. And you just can't do that with other systems. There's no other system out there that has this level of road understanding and event understanding that can bring a holistic understanding to why uh, others on the road should give up some of their mobility time to this unique vehicle. And that's, that's all we have it, is a constant exchange program, balance and trade. That's why I really like graph theory because the roads are perfect graphs. You got your nodes and edges. So all we're doing is constantly uh, trying to dynamically weigh edges against uh, new priorities and making sure everybody wins. Oh, that's that's very impressive. Um, and and you have also talked about uh, the need for a control tower approach, helping to coordinate better traffic flow. Uh, so what do you mean by this? Taking what I just talked about, how light's different from other technologies, which are very focused around the intersection, meaning you have to be on the road. And if you're at the intersection, you look down the road, that's kind of your operational change distance. It's how far can I see something before I make a change? Well, when you no longer have to be at the road, but you can be in uh, what I like to call comprehensive bird's eye view, which means now you can go top down and you can see everything. Well, if you envision being a traffic control operator where you're in the traffic control tower and you not only are at the airport and you see the planes at the airport, but you see the all the airplanes in the sky on the big map and where they're all going. And now you can organize every single plane that's going in real time. Well, with autonomous vehicles, that's going to be a kind of slide over. All of a sudden, we're going to have all these fleet-owned autonomous vehicles. So first of all, you have to subscribe to, we're not going to buy autonomous vehicles as personal people. They're going to be fleet-owned. The economics make way too much sense uh, for that to happen. So all of a sudden, there's all these fleets of vehicles. Now there's uh, a way to organize because they're all by logic. And all of them are going to have vehicle tracking. So again, you're going to be able to have that world map. Where are all the cars? Where are they all going? You have a calendar. I have a calendar. All of a sudden... What used to be a very hard controls problem because uh, it was extremely random and you could only predict based on like known places of interest. Now, all of a sudden, we move from a world of we have to react to what's happening to where now we know what's going to happen. And knowing, again, is a phenomenal place to be because now we can not only um, predict, but we can treat. And treating traffic, I think, is going to be what we're going to be moving all of our understanding to over the next decade or so. It's no longer, how do we react? How do we fix? It's how do we treat? How do we treat this scenario? How do we treat this road type? So how would this work? And where would uh, where does light or LYT fit in? So where this works and how light fits into this is that being in the cloud, having connected to all these traffic lights and using vehicle data right now from all these fleet tracking systems and analyzing that in real time for traffic management control. This is proving that in the public sector's needs where they have their vehicles and their priority, that now you can layer on top of that the needs of trucking, autonomous vehicles, and that this is not no longer a new proof of concept or pilot. It's, hey, this has been done with this class. We know how to do for one, two, three vehicle types. Now, 
with all routing and everything else because there's this new infrastructure in place that can work with machines and the organization of them. Now this can just fit right in. That sounds promising. So then I, I go with uh, with my follow-up question. So are our cities ready for this type of technology? So if not, what do we need to do? And uh, what are the costs uh, involved with this uh, deployment? So there are a lot of cities that are ready for this technology. Um, and, and what that means to be ready, it means that you have traffic control equipment that is able to communicate uh, via network, not a serial network, a IP-based network. So you got to have traffic control systems with IP-based communication. And then the medium, the medium can be really anything from there. You can use fiber, you can use twisted pair copper, you can use wireless, you can use cellular. Uh, it's whatever fits your needs and your geographic location and what's going to give you the best service quality. Because for this type of system, the data is much smaller than if you were doing a 4K camera system, which is going to require tons of bandwidth. So it's really important that as cities become more smart or they invest to become a smart city, it really just comes down to how do you exchange information? And exchanging information comes down to your communication network. And do you have systems that can communicate? Uh, because once those two checks, once those two boxes are checked off, now you're able to integrate with whatever. And that comes back to the kind of philosophies and lessons learned of IoT. You don't need to put extremely powerful edge-based systems if you have a really powerful central background, but you can do simple message communications that make big impacts. And so um, the last point there is about cost. It just, if you're in a city that has got older equipment or older infrastructure, the, the investment might not have, the return on investment might not have been as obvious in years past, but now that everything is transitioning to being highly integrated and connected, now is the best time to be putting in this new communication and equipment because you're going to be able to foster so many more applications you didn't even think were possible. Thank you. Uh, so can you talk about the AI aspects of your technology? So what are the positives and potentially negative consequences? So our technology uses AI artificial intelligence, and it uses it extensively in our transit product. And the reason being is because transit is always in traffic. It's on all the interesting and most important roads, and it's got a lot of different unique characteristics that go on with it as well. First of all, bus is a pro vehicle, and we can get traffic information out of it, what's happening, what's happening around it. Second part is they got to stop at bus stops. They actually have to service and get passengers. So what artificial intelligence AI allows us to do is be able to learn what's happening 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and predict a estimated time of to different traffic lights based on this understanding of, hey, is this stopping at this bus stop today? How long is it going to be there? And depending on how many sensors the vehicles are outfitted with, because uh, the basic minimum is just you have telemetry information. Because if you have telemetry information and we can map out the bus route, then we can track the vehicle and we can predict 
what's going to happen. But as soon as you're able to put additional things in, like is the bus door open or closed? Is it having a handicap event? Is it launching the handicap ramp? These are all things that come into being able to quickly change in real time if a prediction was made and is not accurate so that we don't have to disrupt traffic like old systems that had none of this type of uh, contextual awareness. And now this contextual awareness, cognitive awareness is extremely available. So the artificial intelligence is really forecasting in some of these cities where the bus is going to be in 30 seconds, 60 seconds, all the way out to two minutes with some very high accuracy. And so coming back to this watchtower approach we talked about, this comprehensive bird's eye view, when you're looking down again and you're able to forecast these trajectories for all these different vehicles out to two minutes, you have a whole new game that you can play with traffic management because of your level of understanding. It's no longer down to the hundreds uh, or a thousand feet of, oh, here we are, this is what we can detect. You're not talking about in some places quarter to a mile of information. And that's, that's what's game-changing and completely different. And that's what AI allows us to do. So are there any privacy or security issues with uh, such systems? There's a lot in news about AI, how it's secure. And we always have to remember as a collective whole that there's many different flavors of artificial intelligence and there's many different ways to use artificial intelligence. So here at Light, artificial intelligence is a part of the platform. It is not the whole platform. So that means it's highly bounded. It is looking at very specific data, and so it, it's pretty confined. And so and it only generates uh, time-based values, which gets checked in real time against other real inputs and information that's coming in. So the security and potential harm, at least from Light's point of view, all the known possible vulnerabilities are accounted for and watched for. Whereas if this was just a system where it's, hey, we've got a computer and we threw AI on it and we let it just continually uh, run through its own self-learning and self-correction with uh, no guardrails, well, that could be a totally different situation. And there's probably a case to see how that works in a lab environment, but you don't want to do that in reality with the real world. Uh, because even though machine may find very interesting optimizations, people don't optimize well and do not change very well uh, when you change reality very quickly on them, especially if they're used to a very specific pattern. So that's the other fun part, right? At the end of the day is our systems can be uh, as smart as possible. And for machine-based system and with machine-based drivers, we can change the whole paradigm on how traffic control works. But with people at the moment, we still have to come back to the human perspective of, we can make these changes, but how we do this in a way that's also highly receivable by people. And that's a whole other topic. Thank you. Uh, so, Tim, would you like to add anything else, uh, especially for our young listeners and uh, especially who would like to do research on a similar topic? Uh, how, or how would you guide them based on the challenges that you faced? Intelligent transportation systems is really in like a huge renaissance right now. Thanks to this resurgence in artificial intelligence that has made its way into the car and the cars just becoming more and more computers on wheels, 
even if you're not going into autonomy, there's so many new and renowned things. There's so many, so many different asset facets of this industry to get into on communication, on security, and uh, whatever you pick at the end of the day to continue to pursue and push through. The results can be significant and phenomenal because you're working on behalf of society in the whole. If you wind up even just little research before, like I had mentioned, I got into this just by playing with an iPhone and tracking vehicles through uh, an app. And that has forever changed my life. So it's, you never know until a lot of time goes by how much your impact has really felt. But transportation is an industry where small changes go a long way uh, because it could exactly be the difference between saving a life or putting out a fire or getting to work on time or just even being able to have the ability to go to even further away places. So it's a, it's a very rewarding industry to be in and it's, it's teamwork and it takes all of us to do it. So definitely get involved and share your ideas and uh, don't take anything for granted. Question. I questioned traffic lights and why Google Maps doesn't account for them. And look where we are now. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking taking this time from your busy schedule. And uh, we understand you are a very busy person and and also thank you for accepting to be with us i i hope to see you soon uh hopefully at one of our events in person and uh goodbye for the day thanks thank you tim for being with us it was very interesting and insightful thank you ansar i hope everyone enjoyed the talk see you all at itsc 2023 bilbao spain Dear listeners, ITS Podcast is looking for volunteers to cover some stories or participate on their own terms. If you're interested to join us and being a voice of ITS or prepare some material, send us an email with a short resume, please. Dear listeners, we would like to hear back from you. If you have any idea to add or any specific field of research to cover, write to us. Let us know. Thank you for being with us. This podcast is sponsored by IEEE Intelligent Transportation System Society and this was Dr. Mayam Kavishka from IEEE ITS Society.